Well, we're in a series called Peace on Earth, week three of a four-week series. I'm going to be wrapping up the series next week on Christmas Eve, Peace on Earth. Today, I want to talk to you about how to have peace in your relationships, peace in your relationships. I grew up right here in the state of Oklahoma. I grew up in a little small town called Wewoka, and I, I grew up and I had an older brother named Scotty, four years older than me, and a younger sister, Herlana. She was 11 months younger than me. And as we were growing up and we woke up, I, I actually shared a, a bedroom with my brother. We had bunk beds at one point. Anybody grew up with some bunk beds? Come on, somebody. Anybody? I grew up bunk beds. And uh, man, me, we were close. Us kids were close. We laughed together. We played together. We, we, we fought together. And and I remember Christmas times, I remember getting around the tree with my older brother and my younger sister and, and opening up Christmas gifts and doing building blocks together and playing games together, learning how to ride bicycles together on Christmas Day. Just great memories of, of my siblings. And it was about a month ago, my brother at the age of 46, he died. And about a month ago, I stood up with tears streaming down my face gave the eulogy at my own brother's funeral, all the memories that flooded my mind. And the interesting thing was this, when my brother was in the hospital and hooked up to a breathing machine and struggling for his life, it was amazing how some of the family was causing drama. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It was like drama. Like they got to argue and fuss and fight and then some of them started attacking me. They were attacking me, you know what I mean? Because, you know, as the pastor, the preacher of the family, everybody kind of holds me to a whole higher standard that they don't have. You know what I'm saying? It's like they believe it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and Herbert's somewhere close by. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. But they think that, right? So they have all these expectations, what I'm supposed to do. And they were attacking me. And I was just like, man, y'all are tripping. You know, you know, you know, you know, you know how it is when your family's acting crazy and they call and you know it's them on the caller ID, but you don't answer. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm, voicemail, holler at your boy on voicemail. I'm not answering. I don't want to hear it no more. It was just a lack of peace while my brother was breathing his last breath. And the reality is we all experience a lack of peace in our relationships. Sometimes it can be family. It can be maybe in our friendships or at work or maybe at school or in the neighborhood or at your kids' ball games. It can just be this lack of peace. And friends, there are no perfect relationships because there are no perfect people. And if you are a perfect person, you're in the wrong church. I'm just telling you. There are no perfect people. But, but even with all of our imperfections, we can still achieve peace in many of our relationships. And today what we're going to do, we're going to look at the story of Mary and Joseph and the birth of Jesus. And we're going to look because their relationship hit a rough patch. Joseph was pledged to be married to Mary. They were engaged. And all of a sudden, Mary gets pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And there was tension in the relationship. There was a lack of peace in the relationship. And here's what I want us to learn today. I want us to learn some of the trigger points that cause a lack of peace in our relationships. And as we learn these trigger points, then I want us to learn how do we resolve them so that we can gain more peace in our relationships. Trigger point number one is this. When we're self-focused, 
when we're self-focused, it causes a lack of peace in our relationships. Let me take you to the story of, of Joseph, Joseph and Mary and the birth of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided, notice those two words, he decided to break the engagement quietly. Joseph finds out Mary is pregnant. And notice those words, he decided to break the engagement. Joseph didn't talk to God about this. He didn't talk to Mary about this. He just did what he thought was best for him. He was self-focused instead of God-focused in that moment. He was, he was self-focused instead of Mary-focused in that moment. Friends, can I tell you, Mary didn't have any peace at all about old Joe calling off the relationship. She was going through a difficult enough season, let alone the engagement ending. There's no doubt about it. Her parents were confused and upset. What'd you say, Mary? You pregnant? You pregnant. By who? An angel came? What's the angel's name? Joe? Don't try to play us, Mary. Don't play us. So she got family problem with mama and daddy. And you know her friends are making fun of her. And now Joe wants to dump her. And friends, whenever we get self-focused instead of God and others focused, it leads to a lack of peace in our relationships. The, the Bible talks about how it, it impacts our relationships when we're self-focused. Notice this in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 3. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. That word nothing is a tough word. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And if you go on to read in Philippians chapter 2, the mindset that Jesus had was this. He served people. Jesus lived to serve others. That was his mindset. That was his attitude. And when we're self-focused, it leads to selfishness. It leads to being self-centered instead of serving other people. And when we get self-focused, you know what happens? We only look out for our own interest. We make selfish decisions. We make bad decisions that hurt other people. We, we don't empathize with people. We don't really care about where they are and what they're going through. We don't meet other people's needs when we're self-focused. We don't serve people. Nothing causes a lack of peace in relationships more than selfishness, more than self-focus. You see, chaos happens when we try to out-selfish each other. But peace happens when we try to out-serve each other. I'm going to say that again. Chaos happens in our relationships when we try to out-selfish each other. Peace happens in our relationships when we try to out-serve each other. Trigger point number two. Number one was self-focused. Trigger point number two that, that causes a lack of peace in our relationships is when we are emotion-driven. Emotion-driven. I can only imagine all of the emotions that Joseph was going through when he heard that Mary was pregnant. 
No doubt he had to be angry. He's upset. He, he was hurt. He was sad. No doubt he's embarrassed that his fiance is pregnant. And those are all normal human emotions, and especially when it comes to relationships. And the problem is not having emotions. God wired us to have emotions. That's not the problem. The problem happens when we live by our emotions, when we respond out of emotion, when we we react out of emotions. Because when we respond out of emotions, we say things we wish we wouldn't have said. We make poor decisions when we are led and respond out of emotions. And some of you today, you don't have peace in your relationships because you're always reacting out of emotion. You're responding out of emotion. You're living by your emotions, and it's causing a lack of peace in your relationships. I want to share some emotions that disrupt our peace in relationships. Here's an emotion that will disrupt your peace, and that is anger. Anger. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 22 says, an angry person stirs up conflict. A hot-tempered person commits many sins. An angry person stirs up conflict. Just look at your neighbor and say, are you stirring it up? Go ahead and ask him. Are you, st- huh? are you stirring it up? An angry person stirs up conflict. Responding in anger will stir up conflict. It hurts people. It damages our relationship. When you respond out of anger, friends, you will see a lack of peace in your relationships. You see, to have peace in our relationships, we have to learn to control our anger. We have to to control our anger. You say, Pastor, that is impossible. I can't control my anger. Do you know where I grew up? You know my family? You knew my family? We all got anger problems. I can't control my anger. Well, it is it's possible with Jesus. It's possible to control your anger with the help of the Holy Spirit. And that's why the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. You'll get angry. It's part of human emotions, but do not sin. We have to let God help us so that we don't respond out of anger because it will hinder our peace. There's a second emotion I want us to look at, a second emotion, and that is bitterness. Bitterness. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15 says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You see, friends, when we don't forgive people, bitterness grows in our hearts. And friends, when bitterness grows, that emotion of bitterness, it will cause trouble in our relationships. You see, bitterness will drive a wedge between you and other people. Bitterness creates distance in relationships. And bitterness is so tricky because you can be bitter at one person and it affect another person. It's really tricky. Bitterness. You can be bitter at a coworker and it affects your marriage. You can be bitter at a coworker. You can be bitter at somebody at school and it affects your dating relationship. It, it, it affects your family. You, you can be bitter at one person and it will affect another person. That's why the Bible says, let no bitter root grow up to cause trouble and defile many. It always defiles many. It's tricky like that. Bitterness rips peace out of so many relationships. I say, Pastor, what's the remedy? What's the answer to bitterness? Forgiveness. This Christmas season, some of you need to forgive. Bitterness is impacting peace in so many of your relationships. Let it go. Forgive. 
Give it to Jesus. Forgive. Number three is this. There's a third emotion I want us to, to, to examine for a few moments because it disrupts our peace. That, that's the emotion of pride. Pride. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number two, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, comes problems, comes issues. But with humility comes wisdom. You see, friends, pride keeps us from admitting that we're wrong. Pride will keep you from saying, I'm sorry. Would you examine your own life right now? When's the last time you told someone you were wrong? I was wrong. I'm not talking about hinting, hinting about it. Well, you know, you know, kind of, you know. You, you know, we was trying to, you know, that happened, but. No, I mean, I'm talking about you actually said I was wrong. I was wrong. When's the last time you actually said to someone, I'm sorry? I'm sorry. Pride will keep us from saying, I'm sorry. Pride will keep us from saying, I'm wrong. Matter of fact, some of you have the spiritual gift of being wrong and then blaming the other person. You're good at it. Like, you know you're wrong. Then you try to make them feel wrong. You know what, you know what the answer to, to pride is in our relationships? It's humility. Humility, you know what it will do when we have humility before God? It causes us to, causes us to say, I was wrong. When you have humility before God, you will say, I'm sorry, I apologize. And I have to eat humble pie all the time. I have to humble myself and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Matter of fact, it just happened Friday. I drive with my wife, we was having a good time, laughing and talking and enjoying one another's company and loving my bride. And there, Oops, there it is, I said it again, bam, I said something I shouldn't have said. It was all over her face. It was written all over her face. You don't have to say a word. Yeah, I said it. She's mad. I'm trying to get out of it while I'm driving. I said, baby, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I shouldn't have said it like that, like that, like that, like that. But I had to apologize. And I'm telling you, if you're going to have peace in your relationships, you will have to live with humility and not pride. Pride destroys so much peace in relationships because people won't admit they're wrong and they will not say, I'm sorry. And it disrupts peace in our relationships. There's a third trigger point I want us to look at today, and that is this. A lack of conflict resolution skills. A lack of conflict resolution skills. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 19, it says Joseph was going to end the engagement quietly. He was going to end the, end the engagement quietly. In other words, Joseph didn't get on Facebook and blast Mary, saying, Mary is pregnant and we don't know who the daddy is. Hashtag, it ain't me. No, he, he, did, he did not do that. He did not do that. But I wonder if Joseph lacked good conflict resolution skills. It appears that Joseph was planning to leave Mary without a conversation. I wonder if Joseph may have grew up in an environment where, 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 where he was not taught good conflict resolution skills. I wonder maybe his home environment, if they avoided subjects and just kind of quiet and tiptoed around and never really worked out things. I just wonder as I, as I look at the text, if, if Joseph maybe just was kind of going to avoid Mary because it took an angel talking to Joseph for him to go talk it out with Mary. I just wonder. Here's what I'm getting at. Most of us saw conflict resolved in an unhealthy way when we were growing up. It was, it was, it was modeled before us in such an unhealthy way. 
And when we were in high school and junior high, they didn't have any classes that taught us how to resolve conflict. They didn't teach us that. And now you're an adult and you're trying to deal with people and you don't know how to resolve conflict. And now there's a lack of peace in your relationships because you don't have the proper tools and skills. And there are usually two kinds of unhealthy responses. And I want you to think about which one are you. You're probably one of these two. Two kinds of unhealthy responses. There are, number one, exploders. When they're dealing with people, they explode. They go off. They speak without thinking. They lose their cool. God gave me a mouth, and I'm going to use it on you. That's kind, of, that's kind of their motto. And they just explode. And number two, there, there's a second person. I wonder if this might be you. They're stuffers. Stuffers. They, they ignore it. They process it. They stew on it. They'll even pretend like nothing's going on. They'll be all mad, upset, and then act like everything's fine the next moment. They stew on it. They, they stuff it. And you always know a stuffer because a stuffer, sooner or later, they'll go, I'm very upset. About what? Well, you did this. When? I don't remember that. In 1993. What? <laughs> Are you talking about? I don't even remember. <laughs> Stuffers. And, and let me quickly give you some biblical tools to help you resolve conflict in your relationship so that you can have peace. If you have a pen, I'd get a pen right now. I just kind of drop these. I'm going to give you some tools that will help you. It will help you. I want to look at God's way of resolving conflict. Real quick, God's way of resolving conflict. Let me give you some tools that will help you resolve conflict in your relationship so you can have peace. Tool number one is go to the person. Go to the person. Matthew chapter 18 verse 15 says, If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. In other words, don't go to other people. Go to the person first. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, you don't understand this, but here's what Christians do. Christians, they, they go to other people talking about, hey, I'm going to share a prayer request. <laughs> no, nothing to pray about. Don't be coming to me with all that. I'm not praying. Go, if you, go talk to them. I need, I need to pray. No, you don't need to pray. You need to go talk. <laughs> go talk it out with them. Don't, don't go on Facebook. Come on, some of y'all crazy with y'all passive-aggressive self on Facebook talking about, let me tell you what happened. Stop all that. Go talk to the person. Don't gossip. Don't stuff it. Go to them. Go with the right heart. Go in love, not anger. Go to work it out, not work it up. I'm going to say that again. Go to work it out, not to work it up. Jesus says go, but here's the problem. Most people don't go. They don't go work it out. And then most people, when they do go work it out, they don't go work it out. They go work it up because they don't have good conflict resolution skills. Let me tell you, number two, you have to go talk it out. Number two, go talk it out. Go to the person and go talk it out. Talk it out. You say, Pastor, how do you talk it out God's way? Number one is this. Talk with the right tone. Talk with the right tone. Philippians chapter, excuse me, Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1 says this. A gentle answer tor- turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger and most of us can't go to people while we're angry and have the right tone so so don't go when you're fuming and upset and mad and angry because remember if you go like that you're going to go work it up instead of work it out the goal is not to work it up the goal is to work it out so go to the person with the right tone and some of you have a voice like me I have this big booming voice I have this this strong personality so I have to be conscientious of my of my tone because my my whisper can be a roar 
You're screaming, Herbert. No, I'm not. You don't know what screaming is. I should have took you to the Cooper house when I was growing up. That was screaming. I'm not screaming. So you got to watch your tone. Watch your tone. Number two is this. Talk with your posture. Talk with your posture. Don't have bad body language. Some of you don't have peace in your relationships. You can't work out problems because of your body language. Just always rolling your eyes. Somebody's talking to you. Arms crossed. And then you're like, well, Pastor said I got to have the right tone. So I'm just going to sigh. That is not helping. You are working it up, not working it out. Your body language can cause a lack of peace. Number three is this. Talk with your ears. Talk with your ears. James 1 verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. To work it out, you may have to do more listening than talking. It's very important that you go listen to what the other person has to say. As you're trying to work it out, get their perspective. See how they feel. Understand what they're going through. Seek to understand and not just to be understood. It's really important if you're going to work it out instead of work it up. Listen, 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 listen. Number four is this. Talk to resolve. Talk to resolve the problem so that you can have peace. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 10 says, for, for whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must, notice this, they must seek peace and pursue it. The Bible says we must seek peace. That means if you have someone in your life, maybe it's a family member this Christmas season, maybe it's a friend, a coworker, someone at your school, a neighbor, someone at the kids' ball games. And there's no peace there. There's conflict. The Bible says you go and seek peace, pursue peace. And peace is not, not always possible because the other person may not want peace. It's true. You cannot control the other person, but we're not talking about the other person. We're talking about us, talking about you. So you go do what you can do to try to have peace in that relationship, you go seek peace, seek to resolve the conflict. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you at all of our locations, everybody say, you. That's, that's, that's possible, right? Come on, I want, you, I want you to hear that. As far as it depends on you, 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 you live at peace with everyone. Focus on you. What can you do to live at peace with everyone? Do your part to seek peace with everyone. Go have the conversation. Go talk it out. Go apologize. Go forgive. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what they do. As far as it depends on you, you go resolve it. You go talk to resolve it. You go work it out. And friends, living at peace with everyone begins with having peace with God. You won't have peace with people until you can get peace with God. And that's what Christmas is all about. Friends, Jesus was born so that we could have peace with God. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We've all blown it. But that's what Christmas is about. Jesus, the Son of God, was born. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He died on the cross and rose again so that when we trust him, we get peace with God. And when we get peace with God, peace comes in our hearts. And now we have the ability to have peace with other people. But it all hinges on 
do we have peace with God? My hope and my prayer today is that you would find peace with God that will help you have peace with God.